Hello everyone, this is Matt Ferret, author of Prepare for Medicare and Prepare for Social Security, Insider's Guide, Books, and Training Series. Welcome to another episode of The Matt Ferret Show, where I interview insiders and experts to help light a path to a successful retirement. If you enjoy the show, I'd love your support. Please follow, like, or subscribe wherever you are. Leaving honest reviews and five-star ratings really does help the show thrive and also helps others discover it. Thank you. I'd also like to invite you to sign up for the Matt Ferret newsletter. I send two a month full of news you can use, and you can sign up on any of my three websites, prepareformedicare.com, prepareforsocialsecurity.com, and thematferretshow.com. Finances and your health will influence much of your midlife and later years. But most people quickly find financial freedom, or at least comfort, isn't enough to live a fulfilling later life. Getting beyond health and wealth and imagining what you'll do is also a lot of work. And maybe a bit scary to dig beyond money and healthcare, but that's what this episode is all about. Dr. Dorian Mincer is the co-author of The Couple's Retirement Puzzle, 10 Must-Have Conversations for Creating an Amazing New Life Together. She also hosts a podcast called Revolutionized Your Retirement Radio. On this episode of The Matt Ferret Show, you'll get an insider's guide to her approach to life transitions, the new middle age, and how and when to start planning out what you're retiring to. Plus, parallels to not working and the empty nest syndrome and building purpose, meaning, relationships, and a sense of community no matter your age. Enjoy. Dorian, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So tell everybody what you do, how long you've been doing it, and how you help people. Okay. Well, way back, I actually have been doing this for 50 years. Um, But I then, um, in the middle of my career, became a coach. So I do some therapy, some coaching, speaking, writing, I have a webinar series myself, and I really like to work with people in life transitions, different life stages and ages. And more recently, I'd say for the past couple of decades, I've been working with people in kind of middle age and beyond, since that's sort of where I am in life. (laughs) So what does that look like? You said you've been doing it for 50 years in the last few decades. It's it's working with people on transitions. What, What does that look like? Talk to me about what that looks like. Well, first of all, there are similarities in all transitions. And I, I really always like to say that, you know, and there are multiple transitions throughout life. And there's always endings, a period of unknown. Some people call it the messy middle or the neutral zone and then new beginnings. And so for any transition, whether it be a leaving a job or getting married or getting out of a marriage, as well as retirement, there's the ending, the unknown, and the new beginning. And so there's similarities, but differences too, because now aging and the notions about aging have been changing, and retirement and notions about retirement have been changing. So it's, I think it's helpful to view um, retirement as a transition, a journey, which has, again, an ending to open up space for something new, maybe some unknown and a new beginning. And I think that it's helpful and it's helpful for your listeners to think about when you think about transitions in your life, do you have more trouble with the endings, with the unknown, with the new beginning, with all of it, none of it? Because that may help you 
have a sense of how you're going to deal with some of the changes in terms of what's next in life now. Hmm. So you were mentioning those transitions, and I agree those are big ones, right? Marriage, death, birth, re, you know, divorce, remarriage. There seems to be, I guess, as you were saying that, people around you in some of those things, you know, when you go, when you get married, people say, go to, you know, marriage, you know, premarital counseling. Uh, when you get divorced, usually there's marriage counseling involved, you know, right. there's the what to expect when you're inspecting book uh, and uh, around when you're right. you know, having kids. But there's a myriad of books, but no one common, not that there needs to be, approach to, you know, thinking about retirement or making that transition away from full-time work or a part-time work into the next stage. Um, is that true? Well, yeah, not yeah, not totally true. Oh, okay. There really are, and I didn't mention that part of my career, um, that I am also a retirement coach. Um, and there are many retirement coaches. There's actually an organization now called the Retirement Coaches Association. And they're retirement coaches, you know, around, really around the globe. And most of us work virtually, even more so since COVID, um, so that there really is help. And there, it, it really is helpful to recognize that retirement isn't just about the money. There's no question that finances are important, but there's all these other aspects about lifestyle choices, expectations, dealing with a partner if you're in a relationship, dealing with adult children, your parents if they're still alive. There are many, many issues. And so you're not so alone. I mean, there really are people trying to help you kind of navigate this next stage. Uh, it's true that there aren't the roadmaps because now in the boomer and beyond sort of population, it's a whole new game. The whole landscape of retirement has been changing. So we're sort of setting the stage for it. And it's it's exciting times. And it really isn't all downhill unless you want to believe it is. Well, keep going along those lines. Let let's let's take a uh, let's take a pretend person. Um, what okay. age? What age do you, does someone start thinking about this? Or does does this really come back into a myriad of 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 decisions? How much money they have? You mentioned that's one part of it, obviously, but also uh, health. Um, um, you know, an involuntary termination, if you will, meaning a layoff. Um, where do these things normally start? And when should people start thinking about these uh, these items? And when, I guess, start planning for them? Well, I would say today. <laughs> so at whatever age or stage you're at, I really encourage people to start thinking about these things. I mean, interestingly, the person who, Fred Mandel, who wrote the foreword to the book I co-authored, The Couple's Retirement Puzzle, 10 Must Have Conversations for Creating an Amazing New Life Together, um, said that the book should be given to newlyweds. Not that you're thinking necessarily about retirement back then, but part of the book and part of why it's not just for couples, it's for individuals, because you know we all have people that are important in our life and people we're talking to. So it's important to think about how do I want to think about it? How do I want to have conversations with people about what my dreams and hopes are for life at various stages, retirement and the next stage of life being part of it? It really used to be thought that you know, you reach the pinnacle of your work, you know, like age 60, 62, the more traditional retirement age. And I'd love this image from a 
colleague and friend of mine, uh, Will, Bill Sadler, who's a sociologist, he said in the old paradigm of aging, you kind of climb to the top of the ladder, you put on your seatbelt, <clears throat> you grab onto the throttle and you just pray for a safe landing. That's the old notion of, of aging. Now, you know, people <clears throat> are living 20, 30, 40 more years post the traditional retirement age of 62, 65. So there's this vast plateau out there with a lot of hills and valleys. And if you choose, there are a lot of opportunities ahead of you. So in terms of your question about when people should start thinking about it, I see, you know, I really think the sooner the better. You know, often people don't think about it until they're more midlife. Um, but even that's changing. You know, having long-term careers doesn't exist as much anymore. You know, people are going more project work, um, not being at the same company for as long. There aren't pensions anymore. So it's not unusual that people, even in their 40s, 50s, later, it's never too late and never too early. What I find is that if people start, you know, the more you know yourself and the more you know how you deal with transition, that may inform you to say, I need to start thinking about it now because I'm terrified. Like, who am I if I don't have just my work CV? You know, I don't know what else to do. I don't think I want to feel irrelevant. And you don't need to. And so if you're beginning to have those kind of feelings, it's time to start thinking about it, exploring. There actually are a lot of really good books out there. Um, about this new life stage. And people more and more are talking about 50, 55 to 75 as sort of the new middle age. And that, you know, it's not like we're living longer and therefore we're going to be old, old longer. There's this time of being really vital and opportunities to think about what are you retiring to and what do you want to take with you? And by that, I mean, you know, are there hobbies that you have? You know, are there interests that you have? Um, do you do volunteer work and do you enjoy it? Do you support different causes and get part of groups, whether it be political or social action or climate or whatever, whatever is important to you? It's it's so important to start now, whether it be in the thinking about it or developing some of these other hobbies or things that, you know, maybe you never had time for before. I think there are parallels between not working full time or not working in the same way and also the empty nest, you know, when you're no longer active parenting. And I think it's so helpful to begin to think about when I'm not working or when my kids need me in a different way, if I've been so lucky to have kids, how am I going to build connection, engagement, purpose and meaning, meaningful relationships, a sense of, you know, of, of some agency a sense of community into my life. So that's that's when the planning can start. Uh, one last point about that that I really like to share with people. I love the framework of puzzle um, because puzzle is a noun and a verb. And as you were just mentioning, Matt, there, you know, there are these puzzle pieces, finances, health and wellness, relationships, uh, maybe obligations and responsibilities to friends. Uh, spirituality, expectations of each other, whether it's in a relationship or just, as I said, adult children or friends, all of these things are parts that influence each other. And I think 
finances and health and wellness are the two biggest puzzle pieces. And it's not going to be a puzzle piece, kind of like a jigsaw puzzle where it all fits together perfectly. But finances and health and wellness will influence many lifestyle choices, where you're going to live, how long you can work, if you still want to work, how you can work. The longer we live, the likelihood is we'll either be a care receiver or a caregiver. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it's really helpful to think about, you know, at, that's why I say start now, just, just think about your life, you know, reflect on your life. What's important to you? What are your values? What do you want to take with you? What are things, you know, what are some of your strengths? What are your skills? What do you want to let go of to make room for something new? You know, what, what do you want to carry forward? And if you happen to say, oh, I don't have any other interests, you know, my work has been my life. Think, if you can, think about what were some of the things you really loved to do when you were younger that you just never had time for? Or who were people that you admired that were doing some things that seemed kind of cool or interesting? You know, it's never too late. And it's good to start now, even while you're still working, to develop some of these things. And then you can take them with you. When you were saying all that, I was smiling and going, that sounds like a really good idea. And then right after that, my brain went, oh my gosh, that's a lot of introspective work. Now, I might be a little scared to find that I don't have the hobbies I thought I wanted to have, or I don't know the answer to any of those questions. Um, um, that's a lot of learning. That's a lot of evolving. That's a lot of self-reflection. Um, and you help people through that. Is it difficult? Is it as difficult as I just described what my brain did in the last 30 seconds <laughs> as uh, for everybody as it, as it probably would be for me? Probably. I mean, we're all different. But, you know, it's amazing how even when we want to look at things, it can feel like an internal war inside, you know, that we fight against it because there really are obstacles. You know, a few kind of helpful hints maybe for some of your listeners. Um, just start with thinking about what are three to five things I'm really proud of that I accomplished and why am I proud of it and what was it and you know, how did I feel about it? Think about three to five things that were sort of peak experiences. You know, who was there? What were they? You know, what are things that really make you happy, that really get your juices flowing? You know, it's really helpful to think about that. And it may feel like you're kind of dredging things up, but, you know, hopefully you can get in touch with the things that you're you know, that really make you happy and that you're proud of. They may be different things. You know, some things that make you happy may not necessarily be things you're proud of, but let yourself think about those things. That's the beginning of self-reflection. Think about what are maybe three to five things you might need to let go of to move forward in this next stage of life. What are maybe three to five things that might be gains? So let yourself, you know, sort of think, in those kind of ways. Another little exercise that I think can be helpful is um, just taking time and making what's called a timeline for some self-reflection. You can take a you know poster board or a piece of paper, draw a line through the middle and put down your birth year and then maybe put a hundred at the other end and divide it into like decades. So every 10 years. And it's really helpful to then, you know, you can do it in a number of ways. You can write down what were the events in each decade that sort of influenced you. 
they could be world events, they could be events in your family, but what were events that happened? Who were the people during those different decades? What were things you did or learned or, you know, were aware of during the decades? And it helps you begin, it gives you a, a kind of a, a roadmap of beginning to reflect on how different things impacted you. And on the underside, the lower part of the line, you can put, if you choose, this is sort of pushing a little deeper, as you're saying, but you can choose what were the things I had to kind of push away that I didn't have time for, you know, or what were the messages I got, you know, at different stages of my life? Like, you know, were there messages of don't make people angry or, you know, be nice to everybody, don't get angry. I mean, were there things that got pushed into the shadow, you know, that, you know, maybe at this stage of life, you want to revisit and say, hmm, you know, maybe I want to become more whole now. I want to not push away different parts. I want to understand parts. And I, you know, I'm not just getting older. I'm getting, I'm feeling more whole. I'm integrating some things I just never had time for before. You know, touching back on uh, part of our earlier conversation and the difference between, you know, uh, single solo thought and introspection um, and um, or self-reflection and couples. If you're uh, you have a spouse or you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, you're, you're, in a, you're in a couple. At what point right. do you start? Do you start by yourself? Do you start as a couple and then transition to yourself? What's your what's your recommendation there if you've got a, an, a, uh, right. a significant other? That's a really good question. You know, I th- again, there's no right way. I mean, some couples are able to communicate and they talk really well with each other and start, you know, talking together as a couple. Many couples don't. And I think I mentioned, you know, in the first part of my book or the book I co-authored, uh, it's communication 101. It's like learning how to have conversations, how to bring up difficult issues. I think what is important, even if you're in a relationship, that you really let yourself puzzle it out yourself and create some of your own vision, what's important to you around some of these different areas of your life and have your partner, again, whether it be a married partner or partner, significant other, or friend or whoever, you know, is important to you that you want to do some things with during life and or separately to have your partner do that. And then you know, part of the conversation can be creating a little bit of what's called a shared vision, you know, where you really share with each other, you know, these are things that are important to me. These are things important to you. What are some things we might want to do together? What are some things we want to do separately? Um, I honestly believe that people, it's not as healthy to be totally connected at the hip. I think that it is important to have some of your own wishes and dreams and your partner and there may be ways of you know accomplishing it together I I like to say you know often in couples people can get into these polar positions of my way versus your way win versus lose so if you're in a relationship try to think um, make a space for the the we of the relationship whether you're married or not married or friend or whatever and think win-win you know so when you're at the point of trying to think about um, what you each want to do or areas you may have to compromise on. Think about sometimes it may be your way, sometimes my way. It's not going to balance one for one, but if it gets too lopsided, you can end up feeling taken for granted or angry. Um, but there's a richness in conversations. 
Um, if both of you can talk together, great. Start talking. Um, but you may discover one or other, the other of you is going to lead, sort of like a dance. You know, you take the first few steps and, you know, you hope, you know, this person who's important to you follows along or maybe changes the steps a little bit. Um, and, you know, and if there's problems with it, it's, you know, that may be an indicator of it's time to get help. Or, I mean, I have to say that the book I co-authored, and there are other books too, but the book I co-authored initially got reviewed as saying it's kind of like a counseling session in a book because it's got, it's got not homework, but it's got what we called fun work, you know, things to think about together or talk about together and ways to try to create your vision and, you know, and, and, and talk about how to share your vision with each other and figure out what you want to do. But it is important to think about expectations and time alone and time together. You know, when people aren't working in the same way, or both of you aren't working anymore, maybe both of you were and you're not, or you're working part-time or, you know, um, consulting or doing volunteer work or, or not working at all, um, but even how you negotiate leisure activity, um, it, it is helpful to talk about it so that you don't, I mean, inevitably, we disappoint each other in relationships and friendships, but there's less of it if you can kind of um, talk a bit about it so that if, you know, say I'm expecting that we're going to be 24-7 together after you're not working anymore, that may be a disappointment because you might have some different viewpoint, you know, or you may want me to be a social secretary for you, and I may not want to do that. I may want to make sure you've got some of your own friends, you know, so kind of talking about these things kind of leads to a, I think, a happier, less strife, you know, second half of life. <laughs> you know? That That is, uh, those are definitely words of wisdom. Um, really, really good advice. Um, you know, there was a, you know, we talked about this before, before we, uh, we started the interview. There was an article, oh, I don't know, a month or two ago in the Wall Street Journal that said, you know, I think the title was essentially, when do you start, when do people start feeling old? And of course there was an age attached and, you know, I'm, I'm in the Medicare and social security, you know, there are definitely area, right. Uh, and though there are, you know, right. 65 Medicare, right. 62 to 70 social security. There's all these dates and all these right. ages that, yeah. you know, uh, we were talking about the other day, my wife and I, well, when we get our senior discounts, I mean, in some places, right. it's 55, you get a free coffee, right. right. If you, if you order a hash Brown. So there's all these dates out there that seem to give indicators that you're old. Um, how, when people are, mm. when people at the same time are working longer, I think the latest stat I read was that it's almost 50% of the people now are, are, uh, out there are, um, not taking Medicare at age 65 because they're still working and they still have right. health insurance through their employer. So it's changing. How do you, how would one pr balance this societal, uh, uh, you know, billboard of, well, you know, 55, 62, 65, 67, and not feel old and still continue to think about, um, you know, life and work or part-time work. Right. How do you suggest people kind of balance these things out when they're getting all these messages, yet they don't feel old? They're still productive at work and still enjoy it right. and are doing doing well. How do you help people or what's your advice for people, you know, uh, to to kind of confront that stuff? 
such an important area and question. So I think what's important is all so much of the ages and stages were really based on when we had a shorter life expectancy and a shorter health expectancy. You know, we have so many medical advance, advances now. And the expectation now is that we're going to live, you know, maybe near 100. You know, 85 is the fastest growing segment of, of the population. Um, but there are a lot of myths out there. And it's hard. We were talking a little bit earlier. It's 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 hard not to internalize some of these notions about aging, which really um, are unfortunate, um, but they exist. I mean, we live in an ageist society where people, it used to be people over 60, you know, kind of that metaphor I gave before about, you know, holding on to the throttle and praying, praying for a safe landing. Uh, but you're absolutely right. You know, middle age is a time of being vital. It isn't all downhill, but if you if you view old as um, totally losses, then you're going to allow yourself to age by default by the societal definitions. And I think even the notion when people say sixties the new forty or seventies the new fifty, even that is internalized ageism because seventies the new seventy. And 60s, the new 60, and 80s, the new 80. And I think it's helpful to confront some of the myths. You know, there are myths that say, oh, older people can't learn the computer, or older people can't work because, you know, they move too slowly, or, you know, or I mean, it, 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 there's so many myths um, about what getting older is. And if you internalize it, you're actually kind of fighting against your future self. You know, for example, say you see two older people sitting on a bench and you look at them. So is your notion, oh, those two poor old people, they must be so tired. They just have to sit there and they have nothing to do. That's one view where maybe that's the internalized ageism. Or you might look at these two people saying, oh, how nice that they're taking a break. You know, they look like they've probably been out and about and, you know, there's so many things to do when you don't have all the pressure of work on you. I mean, it's maybe a silly example, but, you know, if if you look at older people with the, oh, I don't want to be that way, again, that's against your future self. If you really let yourself say, I want to grow older as best as I can then, you know, you're trying to help yourself. I mean, there's a study, a couple of studies that are helpful, I think, for people to hear. One is by the age of 65, it's 30% genetics, which is big if, you know, you have some genetic things, but 70% of things you can have some control over, exercising your body and brain, <clears throat> um, good nutrition, meaningful relationships, connection, engagement, purpose, and meaning, um, a sense of self-esteem, being part of a community. And there's actually another study out of um, um, Yale by Becca Levy, which says that a positive attitude about aging really can give you seven and a half more years of life. And by a positive attitude, what people refer to and what I like to refer to is kind of what's called a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. You know, a fixed mindset may be the more internalized view of aging, like, oh, it's all downhill. I can't learn anything new. 
I can't, you know, do anything, just put me out to pasture. But a growth mindset is, oh, you know, I have time now. You know, I didn't have time before. I want to learn to play the piano or I want to learn a new language. I want to do things that both will help my brain and just help me feel better. Um, I want to spend time with people younger than myself. Intergenerational connections are really important. I want to keep learning. You know, I never had time to read. I want to read. Or if you're having trouble with your eyesight, um, audible, you know, or, you know, books on tapes or, you know, that you could get <clears throat> either a subscription for or libraries now, you know, make these available to you. Uh, books, Audible, they're wonderful lifelong learning programs too, all across the country. And actually in Europe also, uh, in Europe, there are third age universities in our country, in the United States, there are many that are called OSHER lifelong learning programs because they initially, uh, the found the money for them initially came by, came from Bernard Osher. Um, but there are many that are separate from that too that where you have a nominal fee and you're part of a community. And then in general, you often pay an extra fee for some classes. You can teach classes, you can take classes. Um, before COVID, I was you know, going to one of the universities and taking a film class. We would all watch a film together and then talk about it. It was wonderful. And it's continued by um, you know, online, I've just been working more since COVID had started. So I haven't had as much time, but, you know, and there are adult education programs in high schools or at community colleges. So lifelong learning, or now people are saying learning lifelong, keeps your brain going and helps you have this more positive mindset and growth mindset um, so that you don't just internalize that it's all downhill. You know, it's it's a shame, and it when you know sometimes people will come in and you know and have such negative feelings about themselves, and so you know part of the work is you know thinking about some of those questions I mentioned before, trying to to really get more in touch with the positives about yourself. But change is hard, you know, and it's important to know that there is grieving involved. As you know, at different points of life, there may be grieving of, well, you mentioned before, Matt, I mean, not working may not even have been your choice. There may have been downsizing, you know, or your health issues, you know, made it clear that you couldn't do what you were doing. But the interesting thing is there's still a lot you can do. People can have a positive growth mindset with chronic illnesses, with terminal illnesses. It really is you know, really trying to appreciate, feel gratitude for what you can do. Um, I like the term optimistic realism. You know, no matter how well we take care of ourselves, we all are going to get older and we all will eventually pass away and die. Personally, I think that knowing that can make life feel even more precious because we know we don't have forever. And the older we get, we know there's less time ahead and that can, you know, really be a downer, you know, and that can, you know, help you kind of begin to go down a rabbit hole. But the important thing is to try not to do that and to, to think about how do I want to use the time I have as fully as I can, interacting with people of all ages, you know, maybe using my strengths, maybe using my skills, uh, thinking about my legacy, 
smiling at people when I'm out. I mean, I and I know COVID made it so much harder because these last few years we've all been so isolated. And you know, COVID is not gone, but luckily the strains seem to be not as difficult. Although, you know, I keep hearing every day about, you know, and you know, people still getting sick. Mm-hmm. But but you know things are opening up again and people are starting to travel again. And, you know, so you, you may have to change some of your hopes and dreams, you know, with whatever's going on in the world or your health, but you still need hopes and dreams. You know, we still need something that gets us out of bed in the morning and helps us really appreciate being alive, being out in nature, you know, being able to, you know, to really have, feel that sense of gratitude and forgiveness you know often you know tied into the your question before sometimes we can just be our harshest enemy our own self enemy because we're upset about things we didn't do or things we didn't say some of those things can be rectified now think about it i mean even if somebody's not alive writing letters to them you know being able to say how you felt or wish you could have said or if people are still alive, think about what are some relationships maybe you want to try to repair while you can, you know, and forgiving ourselves, forgiving others, gratitude. Tied into that, there's one question that I often ask my clients, and it's um, it actually is an offshoot of a series of questions that George Kinder, who's a financial life planner, Um, has developed. I really like the last one and I changed it a tiny bit, but it's if you went to the doctor and you were told you had 24 to 48 hours to live, what would you regret never having done or said? I think that or said is important. And I kind of added that part and it's helpful to think about. And, you know, and many people, when I've said this to clients, when I've said it at, when I've given talks, say that it's a profound question because it's like you don't we don't know when our end is and you don't want to wait to the end so think now about what are some of those things that you would like to do or say or repair come back to your age now whatever that is and start thinking about what you want to do so that hopefully you won't have a lot of regrets at the end and you know people say well i don't know what i want to have on my bucket list so don't have it be a bucket list. Let it be a curious list. What are things are you, that you're curious about that you'd like to learn about? You know, even articles, like you mentioned, just seeing an article in the paper, you know, you know, what are things that you'd like to learn? And I mean, and, you know, many older people you know, are fine on the internet and, have, you know, I mean, I still at times consider myself technologically challenged, but I can work with it enough to have Zoom, to research things, you know, there's so much to learn, you know, whether it be virtually or in person, although I think the in-person is important and there's, you know, there's an epidemic of loneliness. So I really encourage people to interact with, you know, with people and not buy into this, these negative stereotypes of aging. That was a long-winded answer. No, no, that was a great answer. And actually the very last part of it was something I was going to ask you next. And it's a part to do with the word loneliness. You said, I think we've all, I've personally, I've seen people (laughs) who have retired from long careers um, and slip into, uh, I guess you could call it a depression, slip into um, 
um, some sort of loneliness. And, you know, I, I, I mean, it could be a myriad of reasons not planning, as we've been talking about, could be one of them. But also, and I think, and I'd love to hear your take on this. I think it's getting better, but this whole concept of identifying your self worth through your work, and once that's gone, um, not having um, a, a, a sense of self worth um, is that still? I mean, again, my my generation or even generations beneath me. I mean, you, we've heard this concept, quiet quitting, right? Which is just a new con- same concept repackaged in a new. You know, basically right. take care of yourself. Don't you know? Give one hundred and eighty-five percent for forty-five years, and you know, it's 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 a balance piece, if if anything, in terms of what I can take from it. But is 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 that still is that part of you know the current generation of you know fifties, sixties, and seventies? Is that more of the older generation, or is it generation uh, agnostic at this point? And there are still folks out there. Yeah not finding fulfillment when literally their entire working career has been uh, fulfillment of a different kind. It's again, a really important and powerful question. Um, I think loneliness cuts across a lot of different ages. I think that the, um, the surgeon general's recent report about loneliness as an epidemic is, it's really true. Um, And I think that COVID exacerbated it because of the isolation. Um, There is a dark side to the not working, particularly if your whole identity has been work or active parenting. Mm. And it's a really slippery slope that people can go down. Depression, overuse of alcohol or drugs, and it hits older people and it hits younger people. And I do think that it it's not unique just to the 50 and older, although I think it's definitely a dilemma there because, you know, if you think about it, more older people might have had careers or longer term in work, you know, so there was kind of less moving from job to job. And as you said, if your identity and self-worth has only been the CV, Um, it can feel like so much of a loss and just not even knowing if you have the bandwidth to develop new friendships. I mean, this is a bit of a stereotype, but often men say that, you know, most of their friendships and activities are through work. And I've had more men than not say to me, I'm terrified of not working because I don't know how to make friends. So that's part of why it's helpful to start thinking about developing some other interests or making friends or or learning new hobbies, you know, pick up golf or pickleball or tennis or, uh, or just walking, hiking, and there are meetup groups or there's, you know, organizations where you can, you know, join with others to do some of these activities. I really encourage people to do that. The interesting thing is that as there have been some studies of how people have dealt with the pandemic, older people actually did better. The old, old, who some who've been in nursing homes and institutions, certainly we've seen, you know, illness and sort of the nursing homes have been like Petri dishes, you know, in terms of COVID. Um, but people in the more extended middle age, you know, or younger old, want to call it that, actually thrived better 
in many respects during COVID because, you know, we've been used to all the different ups and downs and, you know, there's a resilience. Studies have said that those in the younger areas, in the 40, 50, 30, 20, and, you know, definitely younger kids really had a much harder time, mm-hmm. you know, particularly parents that had kids at home and were having to do homeschooling and working remotely, you know, it's been a terrible time. Um, but I do think that, or I should say, and I think that um, loneliness cuts across different ages and stages. I, I, I'm happy to see that, you know, people both, I guess, in your generation and younger are focusing more on sort of self-help and, and recognizing the importance of it or self-helpers or taking care of oneself. Um, but I think it's still an issue. It's going to be a different trajectory because work now really isn't long-term kind of work other than, you know, some professions. I mean, in psychology, it can be in medicine, law, um, you know, some, a few others, but yeah, not business. That's for but sure. But not business. And mm-hmm. if you look at younger people, you know, people have so many different jobs, you know, in a lifetime. And and you may be reinventing yourself, you know, many times along the way, in contrast to somebody who's had maybe one long-term job, and now the reinvention comes, you know, at this stage of, you know, who am I now? What do I want to do? You know, some people talk about the the second half of life, um, that extended middle age as a second adulthood. And some even have coined the term middle essence, sort of as a parallel of adolescence. You know, adolescence, the concept, the term is not, you know, 100 plus years old. And it was recognizing that there was this gap between somebody being, you know, a younger adult, and then an adult. And so adolescence, you know, filled the gap, you know, you're dealing with who am I? What do I want to do? Where do I want to live? What's important to me? Well, fast forward to middle essence. And, you know, hopefully, as we're older, there's more perspective, more experience, but similar questions, who am I? You look in the mirror, and it's like, oh, my gosh, who is that person looking back at me? You know, Um, where do I want to live? What do I want to do? what's important to me, you know, so parallel issues, but hopefully with some added perspective of, you know, having lived through a lot of ups and downs, so you know you can. So it's interesting to think about it that way. But I think loneliness, isolation, if, you know, you don't want to go down that rabbit hole of, you know, the depression and um, too much drinking, drug use, and it's real. So if you begin to feel like your world is shrinking, it's really important to get some help, you know, or talk to, you know, a partner or a friend and or think about, as I said before, what were some things that really, you know, you really loved doing when you were younger that you just haven't had time for? Or what are new things you want to learn? Try to little by little, step by step. And don't expect you're going to go from A to Z without the little steps in between of the rest of the alphabet. So one step, even, you know, getting yourself to the gym, don't expect you're going to suddenly go five days a week and then you don't do it. Start with one day a week and you can add it to two days, you know, or think about, you know, the piano or think about learning a language. There's so many vehicles of 
doing things or woodworking or some kind of craft or art, you know, for people older, I mean, I know people don't always like the word senior, but there really are great senior centers that have wonderful activities, which do two things. One, you can learn a new skill, hobby, plus you can connect with other people. Mm -hmm. And they're starting to be more in person again now, not just, you know, virtually. Right. Um, you mentioned that the phrase, the dark side of retirement. Uh, and of course, I immediately heard the Darth Vader music when you said that. Um, let me just touch on that briefly before we wrap here again. Um, very in the beginning of the show, I even, <clears throat> I think I said, wow, that's a lot of introspection and, uh, um, right. and a lot of self-reflection and a lot of being right. honest with oneself and your spouse or your partner or your friend. Right. Um, concept of gray divorce is also in the headlines that it would seem right. to me that, uh, this type of, um, inventory, I guess, no yeah. matter where you start, it might bring up right. some, um, issues. Um, have you had experience with that either, uh, advising couples or individuals? And is there a, a piece in there that people pause and I guess fix or address other things before moving on? What's your experience around that piece? Because it's a, it's a very real thing. It is a very real thing. And I think it comes in a number of influenced by a number of things. One is now that we're living longer, people who reach middle age and maybe if there've been kids, if the kids are gone, suddenly say, you know, if, I don't want to have 40 more unhappy years. We don't have anything in common anymore. Uh, and another factor is there are more women in the workplace who aren't feeling as financially dependent on a partner. And so feel that, again, you know, I don't want to necessarily be in a bad relationship. I really encourage people to not throw in the towel immediately without maybe doing some soul searching or some work to see, <clears throat> excuse me, if um, some of the issues can be worked out and sometimes they can and sometimes not. Um, but um, it, it it is helpful. We take who we are with us wherever we live or, you know, changing in life. Sometimes that new beginning can be terrific and a, a really a wonderful opportunity of starting over. And sometimes it can end up being harder than one had anticipated uh, and could create other difficulties and problems. So I think, you know, if, if you're in a situation where there's been a lot of unhappiness or tension um, and you're ready to just say, I'm done, you know, I, I do encourage people take a little time to really sort it through and, <clears throat> and sometimes even a few sessions with a therapist can even help the ending be better. If in fact, you know, you know, it's time to move on with a therapist or with a coach. Um, and, you know, to, to, to then allow yourself. And there's a part in the book too, called detours. You know, we can be going through life and think we're going to continue the same way, but then, People, you know, get divorced or people die and suddenly you need to kind of reassess and rethink about, you know, who am I? What do I want to do? What do I want to do alone? How do I want to meet other people? Um, a marriage ending doesn't mean it's an end of life. Uh, retiring doesn't mean it's an end of life. 
even a death of a very loved partner and spouse um, or spouse or dear friend doesn't mean it has to be, it's an end of your life. It can feel that way at times in part of the grieving. But I think a real affirmation of love is that you go on living. You know, a real affirmation of your own inner strength is you find other things you want to do, you know, or you find other people and you might have to kick yourself in the butt a little bit to, you know, kind of get out there to meet people or or do activities that give you pleasure. You know, and then there's an opportunity, maybe you'll develop some new friendships or, you know, be able not to go through the rest of your life alone, you know, and Dreams and hopes may have to change, but I think it is important to, it's like taking yourself seriously in a sense of this is all we have as far as we know, this one life. And to really think about how do you want to live it as fully as you can and not reach the end with regrets. And so part of it is getting to know yourself, um, getting help, asking for help if you need it. Sometimes that's hard to do. Sometimes people view asking for help as a weakness. Personally, I view it as a strength um, because we all need each other. It's, we're inter interdependent with each other. Getting help doesn't mean you're going to lose being independent. It just means you bring your independence to somebody else who's independent and you kind of co-create together or work on the problem together. Um, so I, I you know, would encourage listeners to recognize getting help as a sign of strength and you know, and yeah, it may be time to move on from a, you know, a really difficult relationship. Um, and it may be important for you to do some work to you know, just be sure to the best of your ability, you know, you're doing what makes sense, you know, to do and that you get the help you may need to help make it work. So. Thank you. This has been a really fun and I mean that fun conversation. This is, um, you know, and I hope everybody was doing as, as you were listening or watching the same thing. My brain was going was, oh, 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 yeah. I mean, there's a lot, uh, right, that we don't think about on a day to day basis or maybe even don't want to think about. And they're very, very important. Uh, and a lot right. of, it, you know, not just when you're thinking about retiring in a week. Um, so thank you very much for this. Uh, are there any questions that I should have asked on this topic that I didn't? I think you've really covered a lot. Um, I think just recognizing that it is important to develop your resilience, you know, to really, you know, think about what's important to you, what your values are, what your strengths are, you know, and, you know, to think about how you've handled things and, and feel good and proud of those things and admit mistakes. You know, none of us are perfect. Nobody's perfect. You know, but, you know, tied into that forgiveness, gratitude, appreciation, um, so that you can live life as, you know, fully as you're letting yourself do it um, for as long as, you know, we have. Whether you have chronic illnesses, terminal illnesses, you know, to, to kind of do the best you can. I think that would be uh, sort of my advice. I'd like your listeners also to just know if it's okay to know that on the fourth Tuesday of each month, I have a free um, I call it Revolutionize Your Retirement Interview with Experts series. It's free. It's open to the public and professionals. You just have to sign up the week before. You could go to my website, revolutionizeretirement.com and learn about 
past speakers and actually it's in its 11th year now and to celebrate my 10th year anniversary i've um released weekly podcasts of prior interviews so people can actually get an opportunity through podcasts to listen to many of the prior interviews and so you know i encourage people there are a lot of issues about aging um work you know working in the second half of life um, so I just encourage your listeners to you know, take advantage of that since it's free and out there. And I will, again, put all of those links on the website and I'll, um, so people can go to the website, but yeah, I'm glad you said that. I was going to ask you how do how do people find, <laughs> oh. find you on the internet and <laughs> listen to you and watch you. So I'm right. glad you did that. Dorian, right. thank you so much. It's been such a delight, Matt. Thank you so much for inviting me here. Dorian, thank you. If you like this episode, please follow, like, subscribe, and rate the show. And make sure to hit the Matt Ferret Show website for all the links and show notes. Until next time, to your wealth, wisdom, and wellness, I'm Matt Ferret, and thanks for tuning in. The Matt Ferret Show, related content, publications, and MF Media LLC is in no way associated, endorsed, or authorized by any governmental agency, including the Social Security Administration, the Department of Health and Human Services, or the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. The Matt Ferret Show is in no way associated with, authorized, approved, endorsed, nor in any way affiliated with any company, trademark names, or other marks mentioned or referenced in or on The Matt Ferret Show. Any such mention is for purpose of reference only. Any advice, generalized statistics, or opinions expressed are strictly those of the host and guests of The Matt Ferret Show. Although every effort has been made to ensure the contents of The Matt Ferret Show and related content are correct and complete, Laws and regulations change quickly and often. The ideas and opinions expressed on The Matt Ferret Show aren't meant to replace the sage advice of healthcare, insurance, financial planning, accounting, or legal professionals. You are responsible for your financial decisions. It is your sole responsibility to independently evaluate the accuracy, correctness, or completeness of the content, services, and products of, and associated with, The Matt Ferret Show, MF Media LLC, and any related content or publications. The thoughts and opinions expressed on The Matt Ferret Show are those of the host and The Matt Ferret Show guests only, and are not the thoughts and opinions of any current or former employer of the host or guests of The Matt Ferret Show, nor is The Matt Ferret Show made by, on behalf of, or endorsed or approved by any current or former employer of the host or guests of The Matt Ferret Show. 